0: Welcome to Making It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. Each episode will have an inspiring guest tell their story of overcoming obstacles, never settling, and making it happen. Don't forget to share, subscribe and review. So grab a coffee, hope you enjoy the pod. Let's go! Okay, so welcome to Making It Happen. Uh, my name is Tom Dalton. I'm delighted to say we're on episode number 48. We're nearly at the 50 mark here. We're, we're we're keep on rolling, and I am so happy to be back in person recording a podcast, which is fantastic. So we're actually in a really cool studio and face to face be because Zoom sees to my middle name for the last uh, while uh, with everything going on COVID. So. I'm delighted to say episode number 48. We're going to get straight into it. Um, So this week's guest is Sean Bryan. Sean Bryan, if you do not know, is the founder of Cut and Sew, has built a business from a chair in a basement of a record shop to three stores in Dublin city centre. Four, he's pointing out four at me. Get it right, Tom. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Getting corrected already. We're going to have some fun. I know this is going to be good. And he isn't finished yet he now has four locations education business and a clothing brand and i'd say there's much much more i haven't even covered sean welcome hey tom thank you very much for a good introduction good good not great minus a correction yeah, yeah absolutely so sean as we do with most of our guests um it, if we go back to childhood and growing up and um, talk to us a little bit about that and i suppose that journey into wanting to do your own thing and set up your own business um, humble beginnings I suppose, from childhood.
1: Um, moved around quite a lot. I'm from South County Dublin. I'm not too sure if it's Dunleary or Blackrock, but I'll say more Dunleary. Moved around load, loads as a child, um, and you know, moved me eight times up until I was about twelve. And then a big jump my mom uh, met a gentleman and we moved over to England, which was totally flipped the script of me wanting to I don't know, go to go to certain schools and my, all my friends so I a big change in my life up until I turned about 12, 13 and um, yeah moved to England then my first kind of dream I suppose was to maybe uh, play for Man United that was a big big thing for me and then in two years later we flipped the script and moved back to Ireland and that's kind of where I grew up and kind of got, got me back to Ireland at about 15 so that's kind of just my rough childhood yeah. beginnings you know and was was education a big part, or were you good in school, or what was? So no, so he's a little bit of a joker in school. You know, I didn't really like uh, male authority. I think that's what I was told. Um, I went to secondary school and I started doing uh woodwork, technical drawing, and I'm not yeah woodwork and technical drawing, and I found myself um really enjoying woodwork, and then when I. I kind of realized I wasn't gonna be a professional footballer and play for man united um Woodwork kind of seemed to be my first interest outside of school. so a cousin of mine is a well is a carpenter and a very successful builder now I could see myself leaving school after the junior cert, so I tried to nag my mom, convince her that look, this isn't for me. got into a little bit of trouble, was a bit rebellious but quite intelligent um I was in the top class. And then I left school after many, many rows with my mom and I pursued my first edge. Well, I worked since I was 13 as a lounge boy in between. That's very important, I think, for my journey. Uh, so I really enjoyed working on the social aspect of being a lounge boy, the crack, which I don't even think it's it's legal now to be yeah. empty ashtrays at 13 and clean the glasses. And then I got an apprenticeship with my cousin. So I think I was 16 at the time. And my first job outside of school was an apprentice carpenter. But that was my, yeah, that was my first thing outside of school. But school wasn't that important to me. I think it was more just social for me. I just loved the social buzz, making friends, teenage discos, all that kind of jazz.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's so interesting that you were, um, I, one of my first jobs in a pub as well. And okay. it was, as you say, doing the glasses, cleaning the ashtrays when ashtrays were things in a pub. And for me, the personality and the characters you're meeting, whether you're working with them or it's people in the public, and I actually moved into retail after that. But, like, uh, I think it's a great experience and there's learnings in that. So when you say woodwork, was was it the love of, like, using your hands? Like, if we see the transition to the barbershop or? Yeah,
1: that's a good point. I think it was, I kind of, yeah, I liked seeing the not instant gratification. That's kind of, that comes on to the barbering side of things and hairdressing i think i just yeah maybe i did like working my hands i I wasn't too even though i was kind of intelligent in school i just didn't see a future for me in college or even going back to transition here the school tried to make me stay in transition here because of the joking and the rebellious side to me and i was like no i just couldn't see that And may i don't know maybe seeing something in front of me so i'm quite visual that's kind of maybe where that comes from um and yeah i suppose i could do it myself at my own pace and I think my mom used to watch grand designs if that was on back then i don't know if that came later but i just wanted to be my, my dream i suppose at that age it's funny I'm, I'm very visual i didn't have mood boards but i wanted to always build my own house i just loved seeing um it's really weird thing, like the stood walls and the houses and how it was done i was probably fascinated i don't think i watched bob the Builder or anything like that yeah. but i was just fascinated maybe with yeah being able to put something together pre-ikea you know yeah. I can't stand ikea flat packs and that's yeah that was my first thing so woodwork and technical drawing so i thought i could become a builder uh foreman and that was that was kind of my first thing and talk to us
0: about so you did your apprenticeship did uh, you qualify? No, like so
1: crazy story uh two years working for my cousin and quite a common thing then was um people weren't actually getting the full apprenticeship so i wasn't registered with force at the time my cousin was basically yeah not screwing me over he was a young lad he, he just didn't get around the polite think to say is, he didn't get around to register me and that led me then to to leaving him after two years and i think it was kind of recession time so i didn't know what to do i was 18 and um, i'd always worked since i was 13 even that was just weekend work and i was kind of a little bit let down so i didn't know what to do construction was yeah post-celtic tiger or just the start of the recession so Crazy time, scary time as a young guy, not knowing what to I was only getting paid 250 quid, I think, a week, and handed up money at home, of course. But then to get down to nothing, I, I kind of had a few odd jobs, if I remember correctly. I uh, worked in a bakery, sold newspapers on the street. Like, I always was kind of a hard worker, mm-hmm. and I get that from my mom and dad. And then uh, kind of how the hair journey started, I was always kind of into my hair and looks. David Beckham, if we go back, was kind of the man at the moment. And I was going to a hair salon in Blackrock called Tony and Guy, which was, again, way above my pay grade for a haircut. But, you know, instead of going to John's Barbershop, I was going to Tony and Guy. And it's a weird thing when you when you don't know that you're getting a bad haircut and then you get a good haircut, you realize how much of a bad haircut I was getting for years. And I really liked the atmosphere of the salon. And I got to know the girls and guys in there. And they were like, sure, why don't you get a job here? You're buzzy. You're quite chatty. And I goes, Well, I've no idea how to cut hair. But like, if, can you make tea and coffee? I was like, Yeah And then like, Can you sweep the floors? Yeah. And then It's like
0: the first Irish question on the C V, isn't it? Can you make <laughs> tea or coffee?
1: And that this is it. And it, it was it was booming back then because apparently uh I think hair and makeup or hairdressers or salons and um you know, the sal- the sal- the sales of makeup is recession proof because a lot of people the price point is quite low depending on where you go so it's it's always a safe industry to get into and that stuck in my head to be like well they offered me an apprenticeship based off my personality mm. and that's kind of stuck with me it wasn't skill set based and after being using my hands for two years as an apprentice carpenter it uh, it was such a change you know it was so weird to be going from messy uh building sites to wearing stickers to going in and having to have the eyebrows and hair slicked back so it was it was such an exciting time and i had such a great time doing it and yeah i did four years in tony and guy and qualified as a hairdresser so that's kind of the story up until that point so i don't know i was in my early
0: 20s i just want to pick up one thing you said you talk about uh, the different opportunities coming your way and your parents putting i suppose a hard work Work day just talk to us a little bit about that where like what was your experience that
1: um, well, so my mom is a warrior. She she has worked all her life since she left school. I am uh, the eldest and obviously her favorite of six <laughs> boys. So wow. she's had her hands full. She went from one to then having twins, which was from one to three kids. It's probably a bit of a shock. Uh, and we never felt like uh, we wanted for anything. And then my dad is a soldier in the army. He's retiring actually pretty much this month. So oh, wow. he's done 43 years service, which is a credit wow. to him. Um and my mum had part time jobs as well as raising kids and then my dad always had two and three jobs mm-hmm. and it's funny that he sees me now working like a maniac and he, he gets a buzz out of seeing me because I remember him you know when he would you know pick me up pick me up on the weekends and he would you know spend the day with me then he'd go work at night he did security in nightclubs and restaurants and Eddie Rockets and all these places then he worked in the army cooking and so he and then he would work in an outside kitchen as well evening time so I see my mum and dad just being busy, busy, busy and hard workers and very humble people, you know. My dad is from Monkstown and then my mum is from Dunleary, so you know, yeah. They're good local hard working it, people. Well,
0: absolutely. And it's funny, my parents are both from uh, I grew up in Dean's Grange. Both of my parents are from nice. Sally Noggins, So the Borough, Dunleary you now well, so it's such a small world. The borough, yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um it's you know, it's it's great. I always think it's great just to get an aspect of of people's background. So Tony and Guy, you took it did you love every moment? Or like I suppose the thing I'd love to get at is when you went in and took on that apprenticeship and were you visualizing I can have my own business here? Was barbering as big as it is now or yeah. what people see or just what was that like?
1: So so the interesting question because no, like I as I said, I left school, the plan wasn't to become a hairdresser, the plan wasn't to become a barber. Um I think organically it happened because my skill set and my training set in Tony and Guy was more looking after people and the education I got was second to none. It was actually about looking after people, it wasn't about the medium of cutting hair or colouring hair. So I was able to talk to John the local builder and then Mary the 70 year old rich nanny you know. From Dokey. So mm. I was opened up to su- to such a broad spectrum of people that I was like, oh, it doesn't actually matter where you're from or what age you are or where you come from, if you're honest. And that made me kind of made me feel like, I don't know, I could, not that I could do my own business. I really liked the buzz in there, but th- it was too busy. It was pandemonium. It was like 40 staff, two floors. Wow. And we having five younger brothers. So my organically, my brother say, can you cut my hair? And that was like, okay, and I enjoyed maybe doing more of the gents' haircuts because maybe they were easier than doing the ladies' haircuts and colors, which is actually quite difficult. And then friends of mine, there was no cool barbershops. Yeah. There was no Instagram. I think Facebook and MySpace were probably on the prowl. It's not that long ago. Yeah. Um, And then a lot more gents in the sh- in Tony and guy in the shop would kind of say to me, "Oh, I like your style or uh, who cuts your hair and so on and then the phone started to text can you cut my hair and literally the humble beginnings of yeah well if you want to knock up to my house and unfortunately wreck my mom's head I'd go into the kitchen take the mirror off the hallway put it up against the kitchen counter and then give people haircuts in the kitchen to would be hair all over the place my mom would kill me but then my little brother started to see and it just blossomed into me then, just kind of, oh, I actually kind of like doing gents' haircuts. It okay. was kind of cool, and I'm a big movie fan, so certain movies and TV shows would influence me to want to do that hair. Music at the time for me was quite big. I was a bit of an indie kid for a very small period, but I would use uh, like Liam Gallagher and all these certain indie bands at the time as references, and that maybe gave me an inkling of, I was making money outside of work, like a side hustle, yeah. Nixer
0: nice little nixer, yeah.
1: A nixer, and I really enjoyed it. So, it, and it was kind of, it was instant gratification. It was when I did the haircut and I showed them the back of the mirror. they were like, "Oh, that's really cool." So that's I kind of really enjoyed giving somebody a nice haircut and then saying thank you and then getting paid for it. Yeah. So, yeah. and then working for somebody for for cash is king as well. Yeah, Johnny Cash is mm. king. And then yeah, just I don't know. I really love my two bosses. Were amazing. Um. And I, I just, I was looked after so well that I found I worked really hard for them because they looked after me. And then I just, or, yeah, then through kind of doing that, that kind of maybe sparked the interest in me wanting to open up my own space. But okay. didn't know how to do it, didn't study business. So organically, we got there from uh, going into a record shop in Tampa Bar. And then I kind of, you know, again, with my personality, got to know the owner. And he was like, should I have a spare space in the basement? Why don't you maybe do a pop up shop and we'll see where we go from there? So that's brings us up to kind of maybe
0: nine, 10 years ago, just as Cut and So started. And like, Sean, that's obviously a big jump. Like, if you're making a bit of c- cash on the side, you have a good job in a very repro band at 40 staff and it's doing really well. Like, so there had to be some, was there a bit of trepidation on? will I do a pop up or?
1: Um so I think I did it on my days off so it's it's funny that when I think back now and I, I have a very nice life I still work hard but uh, I don't you know I don't have to work 5 6 days mm. a week breaking my back which I still do but in different ways I gave it a go on Saturdays I actually had a, a so my first thing was I I seen an ad funny enough in Westwood gym in Leopardstown barber needed for the changing room of the gents which is so weird so I went up and I gave it a go uh, every Saturday for about four Saturdays, I think I did six haircuts, and then I was just in the jacuzzi most of the time, <laughs> or using the gym because yeah. nobody wanted a haircut. But there was just a chair in the changing room, and shout out Westwood. I, I actually am a member there now yeah. with the one in town. But no, it was just it was it was a massive failure, and okay. I was th- I remember just like uh printing out like Sean the barber, it wasn't cutting so, on these little A4 pieces of paper. I did it on words, probably spelling mistakes in it because I'm not that sharp on that side of things, and then i just i, I was kind of crushed with that because it was my day off i was giving up saturdays and i was working monday to friday in the salon but then a friend of mine joshua gordon who's a pretty renowned photographer filmmaker he did a pop-up shop in the basement of the record shop and i was like he he could visualize it i actually couldn't because it was a building site and it was, it was a storeroom there was just bikes in it and old spray paint and records and when he cleared it out and put money into and did clothing, uh, it, it was called... Can we swear on this? Yeah. Yeah, it was called fucking Filthy, the all clothing right. brand. Yeah. And I kind of then could see it. So it took my friend Josh to maybe be a bit bolder and open the space. And then when he left up his pop-up shop, I was like, can I put a mirror in here and chairs? Temple Bar on Crow Street, the, the yeah. mecca of Dublin and all. It was pretty cool, but it was in a basement. There mm-hmm. was no signs. So I did it, and... I don't even know if I did Facebook. I think I just told multiple people I'm going to be cutting Jen's haircuts on Saturday, and then through having a, a couple of contacts in hairdressing, a lot I had clients that would text me and really like me. Uh, a couple of older ladies, and this is a record shop that plays everything from the Bee Gees to like deep techno. Yeah. So you'd have to walk in. There'd be mad music playing, and you'd make your way down to the basin and where I would be cutting. And it was there's a picture that's on my Instagram. And when you see the picture, it's, I, I can't believe I even did it, you know. There was spray paint boxes all over the room. I kind of whitewashed one wall, nailed th- the famous mirror from my mom's hallway uh, to the wall there, and just had a kitchen chair and, like, a box with the most
0: basic, uh, like, a scissors, a comb, a mirror, and a water spray. But, Sean, like, I just, yeah. I need to stop you on that for a sec. Like, that's like that's hustle and grind at its best and i think anyone listening to this podcast or watching this back is like sometimes it doesn't have to be perfect just get out and do it totally like i started my business with a gym bag at the boot of my car doing fitness classes and i kind of fell into corporate wellness right like so i think there's just massive value in highlighting that like and i'm sure people see your journey now where and so is and they're like he's got everything it's perfect it's this that but like
1: there's yeah, it, huge I,
0: power in that story for me.
1: No, no, I appreciate that, and I forget it because I, I couldn't see anything different when when I made. I remember the the most motivational thing like I could say when I made the first twenty euro from that haircut outside. When somebody made the effort to come into a space, that sparked something in me that I was like, oh, I don't, I literally remember getting the twenty euro from the first person. I wish I knew who it was in in that Saturday pop up the very first day, and I was like, whoa. I, I haven't really had many kicks since then. Like, there's obviously moments when you open a new store or your first time experience in something new. And then I was like, this is going to work. But then it was kind of rocky for a few Saturdays. And it came to a point where I was just so hungry. I think back to how much of a May. I think I was 26. So it's nine years old. So 25, 26. I did have a girlfriend. I had the other job. And I used to then, so how I, I used to DJ as well, so my love for music and then graffiti and that kind of street kind of style was was kind of my DNA. So I don't know, that so rewind back slowly, so I got into a little bit of trouble years ago doing graffiti, okay. and I didn't hurt anybody, I used to just, instead of going out and partying on the weekends, I would just get a bag of spray paint and walk the train tracks of South Dublin and all over Dublin. But I got caught kind of, I got caught I got into a little bit of trouble, I could say, and I learned a lot from that because I, I actually got convicted to to a suspended sentence, so it was pretty serious, okay, yeah. made the New York Times, wow. it really scared me, like, going to the high court. The reason I did it was I liked the notoriety, so I had, like, a non-diploma or a tag, which was conk, okay. K-O-N-K, and it, it was criminal damage, so it wasn't cool, but, you know, that was just my upbringing, I, I liked, you know, movie like Style Wars and Wild Style. But I loved going out and kind of like making, uh, like putting a piece of art or graffiti. It wasn't really art. It was vandalism. But in certain places and kind of getting the notoriety from that community. Okay. So when people were coming to me for a haircut, I felt like that was kind of my self-promotion. And then I kind of came up with the name Cut and Sew because I kind of wanted to have, I couldn't illegally do anything. So I kind of wanted to create a brand or have a space that, you know, you could see my sign. And when I look at like McDonald's or Esso or these big, huge companies, all like they're kind of, because the corporate branding are like, mm. they're kind of not graffitiing, but they're interrupting, I suppose, my day when I'm driving all over Dublin. And I love Banksy. So I like his kind of cheeky take on it, you know, where he's kind of, no one still knows who he is, but you're seeing his brand. So mm. now when I look at cut and sew, I kind of like, I want, that's why I want to create a cool brand and cool locations where you can
0: see that and be part of it legally mm. and get paid for it. And Sean, like, that's, to me, that's a challenging thing because I'm sure it could have been very easy to go in Sean's Barbershop. Yeah. And, like, you're talking about creating a brand, creating an experience. I know even before I even met you, I was like, the brand is cool, the the logo's done correctly, the finishes of the stores is at a certain level, and I know it's something we're going to get into because yeah. it, it's continuous. But I suppose, talk to us about pop-up to when it became full-time and how that
1: happened okay so after a couple of months of i think it was about four months so i'm going to say it was probably six months of figuring out where i was at and then the owner of the record shop at the time he was pretty cool he was like look you need to kind of register the business and i was okay cool you need to have x y and Z. you need an accountant and you need to just take more records of it It was very much like a nixer based thing just saturdays so in April then pretty much 2013 which is now nine years ago and um, we registered the company got an accountant and he, he was he actually did help me quite a lot because it was mm. in a, he seen sounds in like, s- a a mentor, like a bit of a
0: mentor bit of a mentor we're so no like, longer talking
1: yeah. which is usually a lot of the cases in a lot of business mm. relationships but I'm very thankful for the start I got yeah. but I got that from being myself and using you know my skill set and I'm pretty sound guy if you get to know me so he obviously could see oh this guy can take this space every saturday or sunday or demand and he could see obviously the growth in the business in the six months and then i put every time i you know made some money i would upgrade the chair Gave i think i gave my mom the mirror back probably not <laughs> but you know i got a nice chair and i, I remember the hustle of like i ha- like there was just not it was so bulletproof mindset and like tunnel vision that i would upgrade every time i didn't think of any holidays i worked six days a week i dj two or three nights a week to get extra cash and i put it all into this little tiny dream and it didn't matter where it was it was in the basement there wasn't even a sign outside there wasn't a sandwich board So it was all word of mouth and i think nine years in business now that's still the best way to get business i think um and then you know as it went on it got to a certain stage where i think it was a year in and the owner was like look you need to there's a space in the upstairs of the shop we're gonna upgrade it he invested in the space and i was like no problem and then roll on 12 months i was fully booked i think i just set up not just a saturday not just just a saturday so in about 12 months i had to take the leap of do i leave and i think rob lipsit said when your side hustle becomes more then your your main full-time job it's kind of time to leave so i think it was like i could see the saturdays getting fully booked so there was a little bit of a, a fear factor but i was like you know what if i'm making 200 quid on a saturday i feel like i could make that every day mm. and make more money than i did in my job so i try and tell people that story because that's how it worked for me a couple of days there'd be two or three people lots of weird scary moments i'm you know well fast forward to when i'm upstairs you're sitting there a lot of the time i I didn't know anything about business it was just good service good reputation really good with people skills and doing the best to my ability and then another light bulb moment i was like i need another chair because i got so busy and i was only doing tuesday to saturday then in the barber shop i needed sunday monday off because i was just exhausted and i was probably djing and out socializing acting the maggot as well as any young guy does And a young guy approached and I'd love to work uh, in your shop. It's so cool. And I had an Instagram. So if I go back to the Instagram, you can see how... Because I haven't deleted any posts. Mm. So you really can see the story. There's 4,500 pictures. I do it sometimes over a few Guinness. I get a bit nostalgic and go back. And I was like, well, why don't you come in on a Monday? And he goes, whatever you make, uh, you keep. And then just give me... I think, I don't know if it was a percentage or we seen how went, but I may I remember making 50 quid off the first Monday, so I, I think I, ha- I actually paid him 100 quid a day, and he took in 150, and goes oh my god, I'm making money when I'm not in here mm. so that 50 quid then was probably another moment where I was like, whoa I can do this, so it just I didn't plan to have more than one person there was only one chair, and then it was like he was full every Monday, and then we decided to expand to a second chair okay. and then three months later we needed another chair, and then in Probably about 12 months, we had to go back to the basement and do the whole basement and then have four chairs. Wow. Six months later, we we upgraded again to six chairs, and then it just was crazy. The Instagram, we were probably the right place, right time, and it was really
0: cool. It was in a record shopping. And, Sean, were you still reinvesting reinvesting always all about the business the I was business. never
1: as broke as I was when we went from the wo- I was making a lot of money just for myself um, upstairs because you I physically couldn't do any more haircuts mm-hmm. and I was turning away a lot of people and people were actually getting an organs
0: bookings or
1: both we did okay. both but it was a, a pad and pen I like just literally like how old school is that now and a lot of places do it so then we I, I can't think when we got the booking system but it must have been when we went downstairs and if I'm not mistaken, I think we were the first or maybe the second in Ireland to ever do online bookings for barbershop. Wow. So rightly so, we should be busy and popular. And then it, people were kind of they didn't really like the idea of online booking. It was a bit like they turned their nose up at it. They were like, I'm not doing this. This is a salad. And I was like, we're fully booked for the next two, three weeks. Then a lot of the older business owners around where we started didn't like because we were getting so much business and some of them would blank me some of them would actually say bad things they were given I didn't even realize they were actually telling clients like bad th- like like they're not real barbers this social media won't work like how wrong were they wow. most of the competitors at the time have been shut down and, and don't work anymore and that's these were like 20, 30 years in business but they didn't go with the times so I was kind of hurt again I felt it's a very lonely business mm. it's a very yeah being a business owner it's not but I don't want to be friends with everyone but it's nice to be professional yeah. and shake hands and how are you doing Um, and then i sorry to go back to where I was talking about uh, reinvesting I was so broke I remember being on my hands and knees I was doing so much work I was doing demolition I was doing as much carpentry as I could I remember packing my dad's car with um, carloads of rubbish to go up to, I think it's Ballyogan or there's a a skip place somewhere. I just remember being like physically, mentally Mm -hmm. exhausted but motivated and and reopening. I remember being on my hands and knees the night before opening the basin when we went from two to four chairs and like I was still licking the skirting boards with paint. I was polishing the dust and that happened continually till we went to shop two which was another massive jump. And then shop three, and then I kind of had about a five-year reign of just going and growing in social media massively, organically. load of celebs came in. Uh, I hate the word influencer, but influencers, and just really good people coming in, and they know my journey from the start. And it's, I think, if you're honest in what you do, and you know, I'm very humble. I think I don't try and think of it as like it's a life-changing experience. People probably can see that their money is going where their money is going to me and to the staff and they they like to maybe invest in that brand so Mm -hmm. I try and support local as much as possible it's Mm -hmm. very rare you'd see me it's actually you'd never see me in Starbucks the odd McDonald's yes but I try and support the independent places as much as I can and I think people because I'm very not to waffle on but because I'm very um I'm very much the face of the brand, and it is my brand, but I'm on social media. They know my face. They can kind of see the journey, and I'm very honest in what I say. It's been a crap time. COVID hurt us. COVID was the worst thing to happen. But then we came back and opened a store in last year. In the middle of COVID, we opened up the Ford store, which is uh, in Ratmines now, and Ratmines has done the best out of all of the shops in the shortest amount of time. Wow. So I think sharing the journey, being very honest in business has helped me and long may it continue.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's brilliant. It's fascinating. And it's, it, thanks for being so honest. One thing I just really want to pick up on there, and I don't think enough people talk about it. And I noticed it when I started my own businesses, I, I heard I was listening to a podcast the other day. And I think it was uh, Tyson Fury's father. And he said, people want to see you do well, but they don't want to see you do as well better than them yeah i know it well. and you just mentioned there and i don't think it's talked about enough i got a lot of hate when i set up yeah. my own business and it was people going who does he thinks he is i even had i had people family going is he going to make money what's he thinks he doing? should he not just be going to get a job like how can he do this how can he get into fitness and i even noticed more i had to go outside ireland for training at the time fitness wasn't where it was it was like i was going to do courses in the uk i was reaching out to coaches over there there was so much hesitation oh i don't want to tell you anything about that yeah. in case you you're thinking of taking my clients or an industry i'm getting into just uh, there is a nasty side to uh, where yeah. other people don't want to see people do well just talk to us a little bit about that
1: yeah like it so i used to It's an
0: irish thing sorry sean yeah like i think it might be a little bit isn't it okay it's, it's like the well
1: McConnor mcgregor i loved him at the start of course he's a changed man now and I'm not a fan really but I respect them it's I don't know what it is. I was I think people like the rise but they also like the fall <laughs> yeah. of everyone So, and I'm only after passing my provisional test today so hopefully I'm not Congrats. in court like McGregor for speeding anytime soon but watch out on them roads <laughs> Um, yeah like the the guys I was going to for my haircut I felt it very awkward got to go in somewhere and not be nice to somebody I thought I was part of this club but, Oh cool congratulations I wish you all the best they only meant that up until I opened the shop so it's funny I, another reason for us that I think we're the biggest success already so far and i I hope somebody that works with cut and that did work for us goes on and does better that's the mindset is quite different I do want to motivate the staff and I had such a good uh such good bosses that they motivated me and I wanted to work harder for them that when these guys seen me as competition their mindset was so wrong so I only focus on my team and the four walls that I'm in or if there's four shops whatever but I only focus on cutting so bubble I don't I don't even think about what the other shops or brands are doing whether if they're across the road next door or above us and these guys were so worried and I think if you worry about somebody else's business you're not worrying about the right things and it kind of is tough for me to walk around town because temple bar we're in the mecca there's a barbershop shop on every street mm. these are grown men who have multiple shops some of them and they blank you and i can yeah. see them they're angry at me and they're just their hatred towards us they left us out of really important things but i took that as i'm a very glass half full type of guy we've made history in a lot of things so i get motivation from someone else's hatred mm. and i think that's how people see i actually want to work with these guys and i try and treat everybody quite fair i've become performance based but i'm very much hire people based off their personality not their skill set the same way i was i go back to my dna and i'm like they like my personality so they could train me to cut hair or train me to do coloring and it's the same with cutting so i hire people based off their personality their likability you know what I mean, is it a them show, or is it like, you know, the us show, and I want everyone that comes into to cut, sew, so no matter what age, shape, race, sex, whatever you are, to kind of come in and feel a part of the umbrella, it's such an open space, mm. I try and create uh, a space where everybody feels welcome, and it's, that's, I don't know, the success story, so, we don't focus on the haters and the old school guys and we're still growing. So nine years in business, we could yeah. we could have opened up way more shops, but
0: I just don't want to dilute how special it is at the minute. Yeah, no, that is, it's brilliant. And um, I want to jump into the brand and cut it's and sew in a sec now, but just one thing that's had to come up to me there is, it's funny what you say there. I think a lot of the times whether someone's, maybe it's not even in business, th- they're not focusing on what they're doing themselves. And it, a prime example... <laughs> Last week, a window cleaner knocked on my front <laughs> door, okay? He's cleaned our windows before. The wife uh, has used them. Another company came along. Right. Three people came. Same price. They did it. They text, would you like to come next time? How would you like to pay? Revolut, would you like to bunk on the next one? Just a bit of a smoother service. Okay? Right. I hadn't any dealings with this. The door knocks. Window Not cleaner goes to me. Hey, you doing? I was like, they're actually been here today. Another set of <laughs> window cleaners. I said they've cleaned it. And he sat there and he's like, this is my business. Like, I don't think i are oh. done full time. Um, I have insurance on this. And I stood there going, your perspective is so wrong. If yeah. I wanted to set up a window cleaning business in the morning, I'd do it. And I'd knock on more doors than you. I'd have bloody knuckles from doing it. And I wouldn't be complaining about it. Yeah. And I'm just like, it just, it took me for it. And I think there's a bit of, I don't know if it's a pity me or it's a, the other guy or I'm concentrating about the other person. Just that's so funny.
1: My friend of mine has a window cleaning company, and he's very self motivated. Um, Stephen is his name, and he he's up early, and wow. it's so funny. We have a bit of banter between us on WhatsApp, and funny enough, he tried to give me a ladder for free today. Not I'd any use to it, but just a nice guy. And he he was like, he got a a window clean and leaflet through his door, and he goes, they don't know they've posted this into the enemy. Like we were joking yeah, about yeah. something, and he was like, yeah, no, and He goes, look at the prices, and he goes. They've showed me all their cards or whatever, and he was like, "I'm." He has a a, a receptionist. He has employees. He goes, he's a one man band, but he's like, "I'm so much hungrier than them." And because I don't even look at their because he he's seeing their price because it's my price, or and that's it because he values what he does, and he's busy. And all but it's so funny that you said that about he doesn't complain about anybody else. I don't complain about anybody else. Uh, most of the guys that worked for us. Even some of the other guys, it's tough to swallow. They they now have become. If you want, I don't look at them like competition, but they now approach my current staff and try and undercut and give them more money. or they tr-
0: It's so funny. It's just, it's try and poach them. Basically. Try and poach yeah, them. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's not an approach I've done. I've never needed to do it. It's gotten really tough. And I just think by sticking to my guns, people know, and especially the listeners to this, really want to get motivation from myself and yourself. That's not the attitude I choose. And we continue to grow without going to that nasty poaching side people are saying it's just business they have this mentality of like it's only business bro and all this I'm like no no there's there's, a, there's the right way to do it. I think and it's the wrong way and I just I don't know I think I just focus on cutting so solely and that should make people want to work you know under the brand or within it and I look at us like maybe not Man United now I don't know I don't follow football anymore but whoever the top Premier League team is yeah. And if you want to eventually Become an owner of a club You know You use player Player, manager Manager, owner They can do that With cutting So out I now do business coaching For our industry mm-hmm. I allow them to move up the ranks And I promote them It's like it's They should come and want to do a stint With us for about Three to five years And if you're staying with us More than five years I think you're in the wrong place You need to You need to jump after X amount of time And I never stayed in a job Longer than five years I don't
0: think it's healthy yeah. Apart from owning Your own company yeah. And Sean Talk to me So one location to two locations that's obviously a big deal and third second third fourth was it a long-term vision or did you just said i've got to keep the momentum going on this so there's a little element of because there's rents there's leases there's
1: rates there's everything there's staffing problems covid has really shaken up our industry with giving guys the the platform to go self-employed which is funny because I used to be a sole trader. I'm now an employee. I'm a director of obviously all four companies. Um, but I found the sole trader thing just didn't work for me. It wasn't as beneficial. Mm. I prefer to be an employee of my company or companies. Um, where were we going, sorry, with the question with... So oh yeah from what was the vision for yeah like the was it, or the oh i suppose it was a, no, no. Was, was, was was was, a five-year plan or, n- t- or no and it's only something that i, I my head was kind of in the sand because we had it so good it, it snowballed the success snowball okay. sorry from one to two to three for about five years mm. and then i got kind of stagnant i think i just i was like doing really well i was able to i always wanted to fly business class i remember my first time flying business class i felt so smug i was like what's this little glass of champagne i was like oh god this is the ruination of mm. me So I got to that stage and I actually took my eyes off the prize, so to speak. And maybe like yourself, I'm very, very focused. I'm very, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, not motivated. Um, I kind of want to be the best in the room at what I do. What is that word? Competitive. Mm. So when I seen other guys coming, nobody was nearly close to us or even close to us. And then guys kind of left and went on and it opened my mind. And they they were so probably motivated by me or inspired that they, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it better. And then I was like, Oh God, I'm now this is maybe five years into cutting so they're actually doing a cooler brand than me. Mm. And it kinda scared me a bit and I got and then one or two guys were leaving they go, I don't really want to work for cutting so anymore.' So I had to shake up the brand. So case in point of it's really important to keep the brand identity cool and, and the message strong. Our logo has evolved over the years. We're not Nike or anything, but you know we we have moved with the times and it's uh it's important that i stay so focused on top of the brand because mm. people will want to work for a lot of places they don't invest in themselves so as i did from the very start i'll always improve there's always works going on in cutting so mm. even in covid we upgraded two of our stores spent a lot of money you know we got artists to come in um, and do murals in the shop we're trying to go and get the best fittings we use the best tradesmen all local guys to try and improve the setting and i think Mm -hmm. because we do that and i i document it very very heavily on socials people say oh this guy really does care about the experience and the lads will know from coming into the shop i see the shops from the customer's perspective Mm -hmm. so and i don't think you know if there's a can of coke left open or there's hair somewhere something's not sterilized i am just so focused at looking at all that side of things and it's i don't know it's kind of what keeps us maybe what i think on
0: top and i don't know that's it's so it's so important i think i'm like a bit of a coffee snob and i will drive out of my way to go to have an experience even if it's five nice. ten minutes just maybe it's the concrete on the floor maybe yeah. it's the setting of the barista set up with the coffee machine and i'm it's just that where Am would I you
1: where would you plug for a good coffee um, a w-
0: it's probably uh one of my most favorite places in dublin's place called love supreme Okay. I don't know if you know it's a tiny little coffee shop and I go out of my way there for a flat white um, nice. and other than that i love to give a shit a plug to <laughs> um, a drive through coffee place called True to Green in Dundrum I
1: know I've never been it's um, too busy
0: yeah it is too busy but now busy. I'm on the roads I'll have to kind of yeah, I'll yeah, have to yeah. pull in yeah, and get a coffee you'll, there you make a space but um, listen I could go on for another hour with you Sean just so much yeah. we haven't covered Um there's probably a few questions here i just like to cover of course when i mention the word success what does that look like or mean to you do you know it's so funny uh i'm kind of embarrassed because i
1: kind of robbed this for you when i was doing a business talk on monday what does success like to you and i used it in my own workshop i think to me it's like my time so success to me is like from putting all the work in to my business over the years to have free time now or to travel when i want that to me is success. It's not the Range Rover having a Rolex. It's having time so now I can travel where I want, when I want, with who I want. So success to me is I've worked so hard to create these you know, sources of income and revenue streams or whatever you want to call it, that to me I can kind of go where I want, when I want, with who I want. And that that's all success means to me. It doesn't mean multi-millions. Yeah. They, they'll come eventually, no doubt, mm-hmm. if I continue on this road but success means to me is my time you know so being able to do what i want when i want with who i want
0: brilliant and i'm just going to touch back i know we, i just jumped across it yeah the brand Cut and so yes talk to us like if people don't know who you are like i see beer collaborations i see clothing i see talk to i see hair products talk to me about yeah it just so an idea.
1: i think because the brand is so strong a lot of people start to approach us like we've done we're the only one to do our own beer in irish history with the white hag and um, if that wasn't a good idea i think the staff were drinking more of it than the clients and <laughs> um, myself included then there was like white claw we're working now a great brand we've done puma Uh lots of drinks company seems to want to work with segos in with that but just the brand itself is just i think it's a cool honest brand um and we continue to grow and evolve so i don't know i just think it's it's very it's very approachable i don't know if that's the right word to say i feel like the brand is is cool and current and it's I don't know, yeah, I'm not too sure about that
0: one. And, Sean, do you see it? Do you see people when they go in to get a haircut? People's like, oh, there's going to get a haircut, but, like, they're, they're buying into the hat or the clothing or...
1: Oh, s- sorry. So, yeah, so then real quickly for the name, like, it's it's very important if you're creating a brand that you can make it. Like, I didn't... If it was Sean's barbershop and I wasn't there, people wouldn't really want to come in. So with a brand, it just sounded cool. I liked it and it enabled me to grow. And then now I don't even really cut that much. It's very hard to get a cut myself, so it has enabled us to sell thousands of clothes mm. all over. Like, we continue to do the odd release of hats, which is funny because we're a barbershop, but hoodies, T-shirts, tote bags. I think we could really, we could be in Brown Thomas mm. genuinely with some of our designs because we use designers that are mm. reputable. And yeah, I think people just love it. You know, they feel proud to wear it, you know. It's it's something that when you see, I've gone to festivals and seen numerous people wearing, I'm like, That's, that was one of the other kind of moments we're like, wow, that was kind of cool. So there's not many of these yeah. sneaky moments where you're like, oh my God, this guy fails his brand is cool enough to rock at like Electric Picnic or Longitude. If there's yeah. any t-
0: tickets going there. I've <laughs> I plug love that. The plug. Um, regrets. Another kind of similar question yeah. to success. Do you have regrets? How do you manage them? Or what's your thoughts on it?
1: No, and it's funny, that was another segment in the business course mm. we did. It was kind of like that kind of, by making these mistakes, I suppose, it actually, that's part of your DNA now as a business owner. So you kind of learn from them. So, like you know, by not having shop insurance, the place got broken into. We were robbed twice. Wow. Then you upgrade your security system. You get you know better cameras, blah blah. So I don't have regrets. There's one or two I've been screwed over more times than I'd like to think. But that's just part of it. You know, you have to be kind of thick skinned. Yeah. I
0: think in yeah. business. I think the first one's always the source. Uh, but you learn. far. So for for it, me, I look learn, back yeah. and it's you, the I've the learned best more thing ever than I've lost. Yeah. You know,
1: that's kind of a cheesy little quote I write down. But I I think that's true. I've learned more than I've lost. So. Not really, no. I mean, we're we're still growing, which is good. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's all.
0: Brilliant. Um, What's, the, is there a quote or the best piece of advice that always sticks with you? Well, our kind of quote or what
1: I've done is in each shop, we try and have a bit of a message on the wall or in a neon. And the one that seems to resonate and we did a, a, a clothing release was dangerous when focused. So many people have come up to me. I did a talk for Jamie White at one of his events and I wore the hoodie and some people I love this is this a clothing brand and I only had one hoodie but I just think when you I am pretty dangerous when I'm focused and even my mom loves it she's like I want to get a hoodie like this and I don't know I just think stay true to yourself you know because it will always shine true be honest stay true to yourself and I don't know when you get focused you can be very very dangerous in the sense of like you can get so much shit done so I tried that mindset of being dangerous when focused to me just
0: motivates me. Stick on the Rocky soundtrack I can conquer the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, last couple here. Um, if you could have a meal with five people dead or alive who would it be? Haven't thought about this
1: at all. Um, I'm okay, well probably who do I follow? David Beckham's a hero of mine. Probably Al Pacino. Bob Marley. Um... I don't think, I was going to say Gary Vee, but I think he'd be so annoying, he'd be just screaming at me, telling me to feck and buy this, feck and buy that. He's that level at me at the moment. Yeah, I it's kinda, just a bit like, what's up fucking bro, you got to do this, yeah. you got to NFT. And then probably, probably my granddad deck, because like, I haven't, I didn't really have a chat, my granddad passed away last year, and I'd like to kind of know him in his kind of prime. So I'd love to have, I think my granddad deck just to be like, talk to me, like you know what I mean, yeah. what's your story? So yeah, a couple
0: of inspiration, and then my granddad. Brilliant. Um, it's funny I've it's had, really good question. I've had two people that have said they want Adolf, Adolf Hitler at the oh, table
1: can I take that yeah I'll take Gary Vee back and have Hitler <laughs> here just because I'm fascinated yeah, with World the
0: mind I think people propaganda, are, what's yeah his hell balls. where that mind came from um, what's next two, two part question yep. and just one more after this I swear and I'll let you go <laughs> two part question what's next for Cut and Sew and what's next for Sean Cut and Sew is probably one more store and a full-time
1: academy. Um, what's next for me is probably buy a house abroad and move out of the city centre. I'm done with that chapter of I feel like I can move out and I'm
0: on to the next phase of my life now. So yeah, I'm, I'm an adult now, I think, at 35, Brilliant. officially. um, You've given us so much value there. Anything else? Book recommendations, podcasts, or anything that have helped you personally or business was yeah I mean obviously
1: like obviously this podcast (laughs) um, Pat Dively the book that changed pretty much my last year or so to give me mad clarity on where I need to go and what I need to do was uh, upgrade your life it's in Easton's his new book is out now called Fit Mind I know Pat you know him quite well upgrade your life to me resonated with me and then I'm gonna read I don't know, of any books of interest to you, like someone that you like, like I love the Andre Agassi book called Open. I have it at home. I it's still read It's incredible. It. Yeah, yeah. So a friend of mine, Chopo, gave me that. I still have it. actually I need to give it back.
0: But did you, on that, did you see the Sky documentary?
1: Yes. Is uh, with it Love Me
0: Nothing or something? Love around? Me Zero Zero.
1: Zero. Zero. With the coach, well, Botticelli. Yeah. yeah. And the Will Smith movie, which is very relevant now, which okay. is out now is interesting. Because okay. Botticelli's mentioned in it, but yes. So Love means Zero is the documentary. Great. But the book Open is brilliant and pativities upgrade your life is incredible
0: and um last one is there any apps on your phone you'd recommend that like this and it's helped me or it's productive oh, or whatever
1: do you know what shazam is probably my favorite because i'm a big music you're lover shazam. and you're sitting there in a restaurant like i'm definitely gonna forget this so shazam is my favorite instagram is obviously for business
0: but yeah shazam i'm brilliant um where can people stay connected with yourself and the brand?
1: So, Instagram is obviously cutting so Dublin. We do a little bit of Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok. But my personal is it's Shawnee B, baby, which is, you get a bit more behind the scenes
0: and a bit more of the funny side of me, I suppose. A lot of motivational stuff as well. Brilliant. Sean, listen, that has flown by. I'm sure we could spend all day here, but thank you so much for jumping on. I much appreciate it.
1: Not at all. My pleasure. Thank you, Tom. Cheers, Sean.